0: You're listening to Episode 74 of Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Let's chat. Discover children at a whole new level. Be empowered to grow with the children in your life. Welcome to Chat About Children with Sonia Bestelich. Hi there and welcome to Chat About Children where we chat about all things children and empower you to grow with the children in your life. Today I'm very excited to bring to you the Chat About Children Thriving Kids series. This is a collection of five previously broadcast Chat About Children episodes that we've condensed so that each episode contains super high value content that was shared in the full length episodes. Of course, you can access our show notes at chataboutchildren.com. Now, I would love to invite you to take some moments to reimagine our education system. What would it look like and how would it be a place that embraced learning at a deeper level and prepared our children to be resilient innovators, collaborators, flexible thinkers and creative problem solvers? Well, there's one key superpower needed to make this a reality and it's not reserved for children either. So in this episode, I chat to the Vice President and Chair of Learning Through Play at the Lego Foundation in Denmark. His name is Dr. Bo Stian Thompson, and his immense wisdom shared in this episode is just an inspiration. I found this chat really energizing, and I know that you will as well. So remember to share this episode with family, friends, and with colleagues who you know will benefit and enjoy episode one of the Chat About Children Thriving Kids series. Welcome to Chat About Children. Thank you
1: very much, Sonia. It's a pleasure to be here.
0: I am very, very excited to have you joining this episode today because we are chatting about the power of play. And I can't think of a better person to talk to, actually, about this topic. So what's the motivation behind it and why?
1: So, so personally, I truly enjoy uh, not only playing, but also creating and designing things myself. But what I realized was I could probably find even more value by empowering individuals and particular children in actually expressing themselves and ideas and testing and trying out what they know and what they can do. So so when I've been working some years in in architecture and design with technologies and robotics, I figured out actually that Lego had a perfect fit in terms of combining not only the playing and the learning, but the academic research with the practice of, uh, of illustrating examples that made value for everyday life
0: wonderful wonderful so tell us more about what the lego foundation actually does and what you mean when you say learning through play
1: so all of our work is uh, focused on uh, increasing the awareness and impact of play on children's development and learning so all the wonderful things that we need right now more than ever uh, both as children as uh, and as adults this is time of change and uncertainty Where we need social and emotional and creative skills. Uh, And all of these are uniquely developed based on on play and playful experiences. So, the LIGO Foundation is supporting creative and playful activities, but the key aim is to change the system. So, whether it's the health, education, or cultural systems to increase attention to the benefits of how children develop and learn through play. Uh, And it means we have a huge belief and some really solid research behind how children play and how they learn from early years and into adolescence and adulthood. But the main aim is to change the attitudes and behaviours around adults. To yes. For us to better appreciate the importance of, of, uh, of childhood and, and of play. But also you get to understand much more about yourself, about the world and people around you.
0: And that is just so crucial because you need that self-awareness and you need mm. that awareness of the community or the people around you and the wider community so you can yeah. function as successfully and effectively as you can. So. We've mentioned here really that perception that we see play very often as a, I guess, as a, that would be nice, yeah. you know, kind of part of the routine, but it's not seen as a necessity. Yeah. What are your words of wisdom to, to chip away at that mindset of, you know, play being a necessity? It's not a chore. It's not a to-do on your list, but it's really just a daily essential. Yeah. What are your words of wisdom to chip away at that mindset and help people realise that importance?
1: The, the, the most important thing is to realise that there are benefits to play. So, so I, I think we, let's start with the things that, 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 that are most natural to everyone, which is about activities. So, a child sitting and stacking blocks on top of each other and trying to tear them down again, they're actually looking at cause and effect. The building blocks, the stacking, exercising motor skills, seeing how it falls, rebuilding, may fail, may learn through that process. They quantify, they sort different sizes and look at colors. So, simple things like messing around and testing, trying out this is really about cognitive, it's about attention. It's about mathematics and structure It's about language because you communicate it's about emotional regulation because oh now it didn't work, what can I then do. And it's the same kind of skills you use when you are out there climbing trees. Like it's uncertain you have to figure out where to put your hands you're slowly moving up you don't need to know you don't know really where, where you're going, but you have to regulate and keep attention while you're doing this so benefits of activities, whether it's physical activities, whether it's uh, games, whether it's objects you manipulate, whether it's pretense, you know, you're taking a banana and pretending it's a telephone, that's really about understanding symbols. You know, a banana can be a banana because it's A-B-A-N and so forth, but it's also an object uh, of, uh, of imagination. And that means about symbols and language. And it's about pretending and about coming up with ideas. So what we can show in terms of activities like physical and games and objects and pretenses, it actually equips children with skills that are important not only for their young years but actually throughout life. And they're even reinforced when we have these characteristics about joy and experimentation, and being active, uh, embedded in as part of the activities.
0: Absolutely, and I think sometimes, Bo, um, there can there can be, uh, I guess, a misconception sometimes that we need to go out and buy heaps of stuff, you know, to have our kids be able to play. Now, my personal opinion is you don't because kids, I find, will, if they've got that opportunity to explore their environment, they often will explore and find something to do with something, whether it's picking up, you know, a couple of rocks and trying to put them in a certain formation or balance one on top of the other or whatever it might be. Um, I feel like sometimes we might, you know, set upon ourselves this expectation that play means we have to purchase lots of things. What's your response to that? Just to, I guess, help, help listeners understand that it, is, it doesn't have to be that complex or costly, that there are lots of ways that it can be incorporated into day to day. Yeah, I think your
1: examples are, are very good. It is probably the, the one key point, which is that uh, adults should not necessarily know what they're doing. Of getting things right. <laughs> this should be part of the process yeah. of observing and investigating the children. So whether it's these rocks you find, you know, the quests are really what have you found? What can you use them for? Um uh, why did you do what you did and so forth. So really being able to follow children around and take their lead, as you mentioned before, that's part of free play. You know, they don't need to be completely on their own, but you're basically looking at and observing and reflecting on what they do. And trying to figure out what they do. You don't say, okay, this is a rock necessarily, here are 10, uh, 10 rocks, but really, how many are there? How can we count them? Uh, how are they structured? What are their services? What can we use them for? So, being able to, to, to be part of that is uh, is actually very enjoyable and very relaxing, but you don't set your expectations always to be the one who knows, but being the ones who help ask questions. <laughs> the second part is actually yeah. as part of our everyday life, whether we are doing our meals or cleaning up or getting ready to to go to to, to school or to job, try to embed that kind of uncertainty and surprise into it. So if you have traditional meals you're doing, try to replace one ingredient in your meals. To say, now we're having this meal right now and we know everything uh, about it and so forth, but what if we should change just one thing about the meal and then try to engage the the, the children at any age in that conversation and try to see if you can taste something different. So just try to open up these opportunities but there actually is some structure but you can open up or when you go to, to school, try to invite children to say, could we do a slightly different route to, to school today? Let's let's leave five minutes uh, uh, earlier and try to open up to say maybe we can go that way or you can go that way, but keep keeping in mind where we're going. Play, what children are really, really good at is to deal with that change and uncertainty. They really embrace opportunities to say, okay, maybe we can do it a little different. And it doesn't need to be radically different, like completely free form, uh, and it does need to be very structured, but some kind of guidance where one open up to challenge the rules, but within a, a, a structure where you can actually get to the same, uh, you know, a result or a similar result uh, is important.
0: Yeah, I love those examples, and and it can be so easily, you know, interspersed throughout throughout the day in those in those everyday activities, as you mentioned, whether it's cooking or driving or even if you go for a walk, just kind mm-hmm. of going. You know where do you want to go what yep. street do we want to go down and and yep. you know just that basic stuff it's, it's a lot of fun so i love those examples if you're a mum or know a mum who could do with some support this is an invitation to join the flourish for mums four-week self-care program this weekly program is inspired by the best-selling book flourish for mums 21 ways to thrive with self-care and acceptance and is led by the fabulous author Sonia bestelich She takes mums on a powerful journey to reconnect with themselves whilst building authentic relationships with fellow mums. Sound like something you want to join? Join our community from anywhere in the world. Mums, it is time for you to flourish. Sign up at flourishformums.com. Now you mentioned earlier about um, kind of the education system and other systems too. Um, Now look, many cultures and, and systems do put up I guess boundaries or obstacles or, or can be so structured sometimes that it can impede um, the richness of the benefits that play can provide. Tell us a little bit more about what could the education system look like if it did really embody the value of play?
1: What, what it really brings is that it gives more independence to the child to observe and reflect on their own learning. And not to live up onto to the standardized test, but then to really figure out how does this work, what do I learn, and how do I help others? The key things that would support it is that if education is focused more broadly on skills like social and emotional learning, where children are not only required to say, you know, we have to learn these topics, uh, but more about how do we collaborate with others? Like, how do we, like, work on the boundary of what's really difficult and test out whether we can figure out alternative ways of, coming up with ideas uh, so that the broader skills are integrated as part of traditional learning outcomes. And then it's, uh, it's really about having a broader set of materials also. So we have great examples right now for creative practices worldwide. So for instance, geography listen, and uh, you know about geography and cities and places and they found this, this piece in geography about, uh, about a piece of a, a moment in history Uh, And one would ask, what would happen if the outcome of that event was different? So instead of learning about what happened, try to engage the children in saying, what would it look like if something were, were, were a different outcome of that historical event? Children and young people would need to know about the event and the place still, but they had to know much more about the causalities and the implications and to be able to think about how things could be different. And I think that's an example of any kind of curriculum. You can embed that a little bit change, and to say, you know, what are the multiple ways we can count to ten instead of what is uh, what is a five plus five, or uh, what are the other ways that that we can think about uh, uh, achieving alternative uh, knowledge instead of just the one thing that are going to be be the truth.
0: I love that. That is fantastic. And. Like I'm almost I'm almost speechless because I I get very excited by everything you're talking about and I I see some you know amazing Um, ways that kids think it's very inspiring and I imagine in that kind of system that you're describing where it's really embodying the value of play that's where that's where the magic happens that's where you know the golden nuggets lie because you've just got that novel creative thinking and that team problem solving and the collaboration and all the things we're looking for really in terms of as I keep saying life skills but your life skills really and you mentioned that example of you know how could this event have looked different and very early we talked about little kids exploring and exploring cause and effect Mm. and that's a more kind of sophisticated example of them applying that cause effect isn't it and all the other all the various alternatives that it's very very exciting what would be your top practical strategy for parents and carers to welcome play into their daily life
1: I think that the, 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 the top strategy is to remind ourselves, first and foremost, that children are for loan, that uh, we need to equip them to make decisions and to learn. And that means, that strategy means we cannot do it for our children. We cannot play for them. We cannot learn for them. We cannot do everything in our in the life uh, to make them succeed in the short term. So the strategy is to always reflect, to say, how could we do it? It's more the question about asking what could we do, how can we approach this, and invite children in that response. Because in many cases, children really want to help. They want to be part of the everyday, and they want to contribute. But they sometimes need that time and uh, opening of the structure to be able to to ask questions and reflect and and contribute. Um, And it means that's the best way for them to, to, to grow up and make decisions on their own. Uh, I think that the, the takeaway for parents is really to think about that the experiences they provide right now for children is literally shaping their brains and how they become in the future. So usually we think about we have to prepare them for the future. But literally what we do right now is that they are for loan, and the experience we provide them with right now are things that they remember, the positive engaging experiences for a lifetime. So be present right now and allow these moments just to be together and ask questions together.
0: And it's really, it's about, I, I think in some ways, slowing down a little bit and pausing because in that pause and that wait, that's where we're allowing, as you say, opening up, you know, the opportunities and taking away the structure because it can happen when you're, you know, in a busy household and you're on autopilot and you just do, 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 do. Mm. But when you actually pause and say, well, hang on a sec, this is something that my child can do. Or when they've come and said, can I help with that? We kind of go, yes, you can. and make it work um, rather than being focused on the time pressure is kind of slowing it down and and pausing Um, so that's fantastic what about for educators in the early childhood sector or in the school age sector what would you say would be the top strategies that they can potentially employ
1: so the the top strategies are are based on first and foremost their pedagogy the way they teach is to balance the instruction with more guidance and project-based learning and free play, um, not only think about instruction for these 45 minutes, uh, and then free play, go out and play on the outdoors, do something else, but it's a balance. It might be 10 minutes of uh, setting the stage, do collaborative projects, and allow more opportunities for instructor play. The second thing is really think about curriculum and topics, not these five, 45 minutes stressful moments, but work with the school leadership to embed it as part of longer, session so maybe the whole morning is about a theme or a topic like what happens in project based learning inquiry-based learning but you're able to not stress from one topic to another but stitch together and you can embed collaborative, collaboration and creativity and, and and the knowledge and curriculum into that and thirdly think about the resources you have not only in the school but in the community there's such an opportunity to use community examples uh, examples from companies it's just moving outdoor uh, and use that as part of the, the curriculum. It requires a little more flexibility and adaptability and creativity in some aspects, but we've seen many cases that it actually can be done to begin to apply such strategies.
0: Can you give us an example of where it's been done and what
1: that looks like? So uh, product-based learning and experiential form learning have been done a, a range of different places and actually in our recent work called Learn Through Play at School. So it, it means that uh, usually you can develop community gardens, for instance, Uh, So the school usually have uh, opportunities to have a little more space, they can have community gardens. As part of that, you learn to grow and nurture things in the garden, you learn to count and quantify, you learn about the life cycle of things, you learn about food and how you treat food and what you eat. And you can also use that to talk about biology and all all kinds of other things. We've also seen uh, ways that community challenges, like whether it's climate change, make practical in terms of uh, recycling in the community, it's making children reflect on what do you uh, collect? Where do object, uh, objects and materials come from? How do you reuse it? And all that can be the history of materials and be the science of how materials are developed. It can be how to quantify, quantify and sort and recycle things in the science. So, so being able to translate uh, themes and projects that are relevant and meaningful to the school or the community into these kind of topics children just gain immensely from, from, from these more longer stretches, more collaborative forms of, uh, of work. I think that the question for, for educators is really to embed much more flexibility and creativity in their work and be less concerned about failing as an instructor and this kind of sole source of knowledge, but invite students in to think about critical problems and projects and collaborations, and then allow them to assess what they're doing. Uh, we have great examples where, where children and young people are actually are saying, how would this work? How would you assess it? How would you describe it? What's your value of it? how would you compare to, uh, to to other things you've done? So I think the flexibility in your pedagogy and being able to invite that surprise into the work is what you've seen great benefits of.
0: Absolutely amazing. Bo, how can listeners learn more about you and the Lego Foundation?
1: So we have uh, resources on our website, uh, on the Lego Foundation website called Learn How, where we have all our work and reports and so forth. We also have a playlist. So... Uh, a collection of very simple activities you can integrate in your life uh, at any point in day and setting. Uh, we just start also a course on social emotional learning with our uh, partners around, around the world. So one can also go deeper and to want, want to know something to take that course. But also follow our work on, on, on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and so forth. There so there's always new ideas and, and, and new things to explore.
0: Absolutely. Bo, it's been an absolute pleasure and honour having you join the Chat About Children podcast. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you very much. It was a pleasure to be here. Very exciting. Thank you.
0: A brilliant chat there with Dr. Bo Stianne-Thompson and a wonderful way to start the Thriving Kids series here on the Chat About Children podcast. Remember to leave a rating and a review from your favourite podcast player. I thank you so much for your attention. I celebrate you and look forward to chatting soon. Thanks for joining the Chat About Children with Sonia Vestalich.
1: (laughs) www.chataboutchildren.com